0: Well, good morning and um, welcome. Um, Last week, Lisa kicked off our series of 40 Days of Hope. And so part of the series is, as she mentioned, is people are going to be sharing their stories over the next couple weeks. And I'm really excited to hear what each person has to say. When I think about my own story and um, I think about to the, the moment when my precious little girl was first placed in my arms, I can feel the same love and peace and awe and fill my heart once again. And we, my husband and I had an over under of how many times I was going to cry today. And um, I said jokingly once because I was just going to start and then not stop, <laughs> but we'll see, we'll see how, how I make it. Um, But last week, Lisa defined hope as the state in which we anticipate a future of goodness and beauty. I really liked that when when she said that last week. Because to me, that really does define what hope means. is when I anticipate a future of goodness and beauty. Some of you may have heard part of my story before. And many of you, though, have not. Um, my story of hope today is not my story alone to share, but it is that of my whole family. And this part today particularly revolves around the adoption of my daughter, Hattie. Um, everything that will be sh- shared today is given with her approval and blessing. We even sat together, and I read it to her, and she said everything was fine that I was, that I was saying. Um, but one thing I've grown more protective of as she's grown older is that this is really, even though this Maya's story as an adoptive parent, this is really her story. And so I want to be protective of that and, and keep that close. Her voice is the one I value most in this story, and so I'm really grateful that she gave me permission to share it. Um, so this is my beautiful family. I realized as I was looking for photos, we have not had a family picture taken since the three of them were in a production at the school in November. So, <laughs> so this is our, my last family photo that we've all had together. So that's why they're all wearing um, microphones and all the things, because they were in a, a production. But many of you, like Lisa, this is my husband, Kevin. And um, Kevin does. He serves faithfully downstairs. I say that I double his pay every week. And um, also, he knows many of you by just the shoes that you have. As you come down the stairs, he can see your feet first. So many of you, he just knows by your shoes, and he can check you in as he's going. Um, he's really the best, and he makes Sunday mornings make, he makes Sunday mornings run so smoothly. Um, we met when we were in high school when my family started attending the church where his family attended. And um, even though we did not start dating until, We went to college later. However, we did go to prom together when we were in high school. And I found a photo that's only 27 years old. And we look exactly the same, which I'm sure you're going to see. (laughs) Exactly the same as we did 27 years ago. Um, We started dating when we were in college. um, And I went, well, he says I followed him to Ball State. I said I did not. But regardless of who is right in that situation, um, we ended up getting married in the summer of 2004. And we never left Delaware County. I had started teaching at Northside Middle School. And he eventually started commuting to his job in Indianapolis. And he's been doing that our whole entire marriage. So again, here here is our family. So we're together. We're raising three kids. these two boys are my high schoolers. This is Malachi. He is 17 and a junior at Westdale High School. And this is Raynan, and he is a freshman. He's 15, and he goes to Westdale as well. And um, if you have kids in Commonwealth Kids, they will probably recognize them because they bring a lot of fun um, to, to our children's ministry. They, all, they also this morning are being huge help Um, During first service, Reynon filled in as me during first service and led the elementary class. And then Malachi is down there right now um, teaching and singing and leading them all in their their large group time. So I'm really thankful for them. And last but not least, this is my beautiful daughter, Hattie, who is 11 years old and a fifth grader. Um, Hattie has been making us smile and has added a spunk to our lives from the very moment we first met her. Um, adding Hattie to our family was and will continue to always be a story of hope for me. So I've had this Bible right here since I was in college. Kevin gave it to me and while we were still dating, and he had my favorite verse inscribed on the front. Now, I don't really remember why this verse was my favorite at that time. I might have just really liked it. But little did I know just how... Um, Crucial, this verse was going to be to help carry me through many, many different hard times in my life. Um, I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Version, which is what this is. So it's a little more wordy than what you might be used to. But, um, but I think I love how much of a beautiful full picture it paints. So here it is It's Isaiah 40, 31. And it says this But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in Him, will gain new strength and renew their power. They will lift up their wings and rise up close to God like eagles rising toward the sun. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not grow tired. This verse, to me, will always be a picture of what it means to have an enduring, durable hope in God. Durable hope cannot be formed without perseverance through some kind of struggle. The times I have given up hope in my own life have usually been tied to the fact where I wasn't putting my hope in Christ. But the times that I have persevered, I've been able to find a renewed strength in order to keep going. I think that happens because in the process of building an enduring hope, God allows our hearts to be able to be prepared for what his plan is, rather than what we might originally hope for. For those who hope in him will gain new strength. So Kevin and I had discussed the possibility of adoption even while we were dating. We had talked about what kind of adoption we would pursue when, we, when it was time, whether it be a domestic or international adoption, and China's program just seemed to be the right fit. China, however, had some very strict rules regarding adoption. They revolved around age, financial requirements, health, all kinds of things. And at that time, we were just too young to begin the process. Because I had those requirements memorized at the time, I had a very clear vision and timeline about how each child would be added to our family and how exactly it would happen. Now, any of you who have ever been involved in that process before, knows that things don't happen the way that you originally have them planned in your mind. Uh, so we, had, we decided that if since we were too young to start the adoption process, we would go ahead and have our first kid. And Malachi came along in 2006. Um, once he was born, we decided it was best for our family that I stay at home full time. So I left my teaching job and stayed at home full time as a mom. Um, Reynon then joined our family in 2009, and I can vividly remember the moment. I have a two-year-old running around. I'm nursing my very newborn infant son and started to pursue researching adoption on my computer. In my mind, I had ruled out China as a possibility to look at as a place we could adopt, because on Kevin's solo income, we didn't meet their requirements that China had. And we did not also feel that I was supposed to go back to teaching. However, researching adoption became an obsession to me. Every time I was nursing my baby, I was ignoring him and, and researching and typing around and seeing what programs I could make work with what we had. Um, I, I mean, just that's just ridiculous. Like, Now Jill looks back and is like, that is that is ridiculous that I was so obsessed with that when I was ignoring the very person that was sitting right in front of me. And and just sometimes those kind of pictures are always funny later, but not in the moment. (laughs) Not in the moment. I was so consumed with researching adoption and trying to find what I could make work, all while caring for my infant and two-year-old. I was also very frustrated with Kevin, because he still felt like our adopted child would come from China. I was trying desperately to be in a hope where I could anticipate a future of goodness and beauty through adoption, but I was quickly spiraling into despair and doom. Well, maybe not quite that dramatic, but um, you get the point. It drove me nuts because he seemed to be at complete peace with that direction. And I had no idea how I could see that could even be a possibility, because we did not meet their strict financial requirements. I mean, I don't know, maybe there's somebody else out there who can relate to being in a relationship with somebody who is at complete peace with something that you are obsessively invested in. And that's just, he was just so calm and unbothered, and it was driving me insane on the inside just talking about it today. I can even feel that anxiety <laughs> come back the, that I remember feeling. And then one day, as I was sitting there feeding my baby, ignoring him, and, re, and, re, and researching adoption, I felt the Lord speak to me in a very clear way. There's only a couple times in my life I felt God speak to me so vividly and so clearly. And what I heard God say was, wait, it's not time. And it was almost as if he was able to physically shut my computer And at that moment, I felt actually such relief and peace that I could, now I didn't have to focus on adoption. I could put it on pause. Um, I also then was opening my Bible and looking at some different scriptures to find comfort. And in that, God took me again to Isaiah chapter 40. And this time, I'm going to share with you a couple verses that lead up to verse 31, because I feel like they really capture really everything that God was trying to speak to me that morning. Um, And I'm going to read it, but um, I know that I've got some fourth and fifth graders over there who I'm going to try to not sing because we we sing this song a lot. We sing this as a a song. So it's really hard for me to not sing it every time I read it here, but I'm going to do my very best. Um, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. They will walk and not be faint. This passage speaks so much of the character of God. He is everlasting. We are not. He is unchanging. We are flippant. God is dependable. And constant, unwavering, untiring. He is good. So good that we can't even understand him with our human minds. But you know what? God understands us. Verse 28 says that he has an understanding that no one can fathom. I love that. In my obsessive, tired, and weary pursuit of trying to make this adoption happen, God loved me enough to say, Stop. And He reminded me to lean on Him, the one who doesn't grow tired or weary. I rested in that truth that even when we didn't know, quite what the future held, that God was able to prove over and over again that if we will just put our trust in him, he will sustain us with a renewed strength. That, my friends, is the kind of God I can put my hope in. That reminder was the only reason that I was able to have such an abrupt, absolute peace with putting all things adoption related on pause, I needed that reminder that I didn't have to force anything into happening. And I was finally, even though it was not time, I was finally okay with it. For those who hope in him will gain new strength. Three years later, we started feeling a few nudges that it might be time to start again looking at adoption. Kevin still felt that our child was going to be coming from China, but our financial system had not changed. So I really wasn't sure what was going to be happening, but I wasn't as consumed by it as I had been before. Um, Later on that very spring, though, just a couple months later, I remember I started having conversations with Matt Carter about Commonwe having a part-time children's pastor position come available. you have all been an answer to my prayers because I accepted the job and started in the summer of 2012. And as soon as I accepted the job and I, and I was officially hired, the very first words out of Kevin's mouth were, now we can adopt from China. For those, whoops, for those who hope in him will gain new strength. Over six years of hoping in, hoping in the Lord for the right timing, it was finally now started being met with some action. I was, it was all starting to finally feel real. I for sure was feeling his strength. And little did I know how important relying on God to be my strength would be the very thing that carried me over the next 18 months. Now I want to pause here and recognize that once again, We all have such very different stories. I don't know everything that God is doing in you and what has gone on in your life. And perhaps you have been waiting on more than six years for God to to move or do something in your own situation. I know that that can be really hard. So I want to challenge you and encourage you to continue um, waiting for the Lord, to expect for, look for, and hope in Him And when you do that, I pray that you're able to allow him to be your strength to help carry you through this season of waiting. I know that that can be very difficult. Trust that God alone will be your sustainer. And even when you don't see how things could possibly happen, I want you to be able just to cling to that hope for a future of goodness and beauty that he has in store. The next few months became exciting and emotional. I don't know about you, but for me, it was difficult to send my oldest child to kindergarten. And fortunately, his kindergarten teacher is right here. (laughs) So um, I was a mess. And now, looking back after we realized everything at the time, we did not know that the time when he was probably getting on the bus to go off to kindergarten, Hattie was being born in that very moment. We also, were I was adjusting to starting my new job, and we had started researching which adoption agency was going to be for us. We finally settled on the one that was right for us. So we officially started filling out our paperwork for our adoption on October 11th, 2012. When we first started the process, we were told that we could expect to wait about 18 to 24 months to bring her home. So we began what was called a paper pregnancy. Many of you might not know exactly what a paper pregnancy is. Um, But a paper pregnancy is often referred to in the adoption world as the time spent gathering all the paperwork and the documentation and visiting notaries and revising the documentation that was done wrong and revisiting the notary and going to the post office and becoming friends with the people at the post office because you've been there so often and taking it all to get it all mailed in to the right people at the right time and then redoing the documents again and starting the process over again. I really did become friends with the people at the, at the post office. <laughs> um, trust me when I say that a paper pregnancy might not sound like it's going to be that hard on paper. But to me, it was every bit as emotionally exhausting and excruciating as my physical pregnancies were, um, just in very different ways. The delays and setbacks that happened in the process were very frustrating but they were out of our control. But little did we consider how essential each of those setbacks were to be able to line us up exactly at the right time to be matched with our daughter. 11 months into the process, all of our paperwork was sent over and logged in in China's database, so all we could do was wait. Adoption is a lot of hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. And at this point of our journey, all we could do was wait. Everything that we could hand in and and be in control of was out of our hands. We had to remind ourselves that waiting was often part of the process, and we needed constant reminders that God was in every single detail. Looking back, even though so much didn't make sense In our crazy hurry-up-and-wait journey, I can see how the waiting was necessary to be lined up to be matched with Hattie. For those who hope in him will gain new strength. Beth Moore has written a prayer devotional called Whispers of Hope, and I highly recommend it. If you are needing a prayer journal that just helps, it gives like a reading, and then you write some responses to some different prayers that you have. And so this this quote comes from that prayer journal, and she says this, Had you been a spectator during only the first three days of creation, you might not have judged it as good. What good are seed-bearing plants with no sun for photosynthesis? In his wisdom... God knew the work was good because he knew what was coming next. He knows what's coming next for you. That's why he can judge his work in you as good. Give God room to be completely creative. Meet with him daily as he unfolds the plan in perfect order. He's really good at what he does. So many times... When we are waiting for something or in the midst of it, we can't see the good that exists. Anxiety, fear, despair often want to come and take residence up inside of me when I'm in that place where I have little to no control. And it's times like this that I have to be reminded of just how freeing it is to be able to wait on, expect for, look for, and hope in the Lord. I would much rather be at a place where I can give God that room to be at work because he really is good at what he does. I was needing a touch of hope, and I received it soon enough. On September 12, 2013, I went to my MOPS meeting that morning. And if you don't know what MOPS is, MOPS is, it stands for Mothers of Preschoolers, but it's a gathering of other moms in similar stages of life that you can kind of share and do life with. And one of my moms at the table asked me if there had been any adoption news yet. At that time, there was not, but her question really just prompted me to go home and email my adoption agency just, just to check in. We'll see. My contacted her because you know what, I don't really think that they would have had a match for us and just like not told me about it. I, get, I don't really, you know. <laughs> Um, but my contact there replied back quickly and was like, nope, sorry, not yet. We'll let you know if something changes. And like, Okay, that was, that was what I was expecting to hear. We had been waiting for what felt like eternity. It really was not, but what felt like eternity and it had no change. However, later that afternoon, that very afternoon, I got a phone call. And she told me on the other, other end of the line, she told me, yes. We have a match for you. I was really trying hard, guys. I really was trying to listen to what she was saying on the phone. But like I was in such shock. I don't know, I don't really remember other than yes, we have a match for you, and we're sending an email. Like I'm sure there were lots of other things, but I I cannot tell you anything that what she said. Um, so I packed up, because I mean my heart was just racing and like a million and 12 things were going through my brain, and I was just shocked, really, that it was happening. Something, we got some news. Um, so I packed up my boys, they had a soccer game that night. So I packed up the boys, and we went over to the soccer field. And Kevin and I sat on the sidelines. I can even, I didn't even know exactly where I was sitting at Yorktown soccer fields, sitting on the sidelines. And Kevin and I were staring at photos a lot like this one of our precious little Ann Qing. That was her Chinese name. Maybe we should have been watching the soccer game. Some. Did the boy score a goal? Who knows? Did he make an assist? No clue, no clue. I actually don't even know who was playing. I don't know which boy was playing. Kevin said it was probably raining and he was probably shoving a kid over because that is what he did a lot during soccer games. So I have no idea. We were just in awe, and at times it felt so surreal that there was a real face to all of this time of waiting and praying. She was ours, and she was beautiful. Now, I was talking with Tyler a little bit about the worship set this week, and I had mentioned, and I didn't talk to Lisa about this before Um, But I'd mentioned that Oceans was kind of a theme song for me through our adoption process. It really just helped remind me that I could trust God. And specifically, the line where Lisa shared this morning about, Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Um, That was just even a special line to me. Like, I couldn't even hardly sing it either because I felt like God was expanding my trust To take care of the whole situation, but not only those those borders, but like the physical borders of a country that we were going into, like it was just such a powerful song to me, and so I was really excited when they when they played it this morning. (sighs) So um, next, we had more paperwork to do, of course. You had more paperwork to do in in adoption, but this was the exciting stuff because it was what was going to have to happen to bring her home. Um, Once we were matched and everything was official. Um, we got to choose her name to put it on all of her paperwork. Now, we'd had a few options of names that we were thinking of, but as soon as we saw her, we knew she was a Hattie. Um, We chose that name based off of Queen Esther in the Bible. Esther's Hebrew name is Hadassah, which means myrtle tree. Now, a myrtle tree is symbolically associated with love and peace. And Hattie's given Chinese name, An Ching, means peace, calm, and fair weather. Myrtle trees grow really deep and wide-spreading roots. And we just loved that visual representation of what it was. And our prayer even for her is that she will continue to grow deep and wide-spreading roots in, in our family. Gosh, she didn't cry there for service. Um, we shortened Hadassah to Hattie and we kept her given Chinese name as her middle name, should she ever want to use that again. So we have our Hattie and Ching. I've always been drawn to the story of Esther. Esther, if you're not familiar with her story, she was a woman in the Old Testament who was a foreigner who found favor in, with her new, the new king and she became queen. She exemplified what bravery courage and boldness was to do what was necessary to save her people from what would ultimately be their destruction. Every time I read through that book or hear something about Esther shared, I am drawn to something different and new. One constant in Esther's story is that every time I read it, I marvel at how difficult, even though she had difficult circumstances, Esther always rose to the occasion with bravery and confidence of who she was and who God had made her to be. Esther also was an adoptee raised by her cousin, Mordecai. This is from Esther 2, and it says, At that time, there was a Jewish man in the fortress of Susa whose name was Mordecai, son of Jer, He was from the tribe of Benjamin and was a descendant of Kish and Shimei. His family had been among those who, with King Jehoiachin of Judah, had been exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. This man had a very beautiful and lovely young cousin, Hadassah, who was also called Esther. When her father and mother died, Mordecai adopted her into his family and raised her as his own daughter. She, like our Hattie, was raised in a culture that was not her own. Yet, though, she rose to the occasion when she was needed to by her people for such a time as this. Our prayer and hope for our Hattie is that she, too, will be able to always know who she is and who God has made her to be. And... Um, Though she may never have to go to a king and approach him on behalf of her people to save them, I pray that she will see that her life has a meaning and purpose and that God can use her and who she is for such a time as this. We hope that when Hattie might feel alone or scared, that she might remember who she is and find renewed energy to help her carry on. For those who hope in him will gain new strength. After the next rounds of paperwork were completed, we were finally given travel approval to go get our daughter. I can still see, hear, taste, smell, touch, everything about that moment when my eyes were first laid on her. Um, In a province in central China, on February 24th, 2014, Hattie was first placed in our arms. <coughs> Sorry. I remember being so worried that it would feel different holding her for the first time compared to holding my newborn sons. She was here, and she was ours. However, when she was placed, when she was placed in my arms, her caregiver that had brought her to us, she was sleeping, Hattie was sleeping. And she placed her the sleeping little girl in my my arms, just like that. She's sleeping right there. And that's our very first moment of holding her. Um, And it was no different than holding my newborn sons. Hattie was 18 months at the time. And so even though we had um, not had a lot of her start of her life with us, um, from that moment on, we knew she was ours. Um, So in China, though, you have to wait 24 hours before an adoption is finalized. So on this very day, February 25th, 2014, exactly 10 years ago, Hattie officially became a Dubois. When Lisa first asked me about sharing our adoption story, and she asked, would uh, would February 25th work for you? (laughs) I kind of was like, oh. Um. I, I, yeah, I think it probably does. Um, and I knew it wasn't a coincidence. I know that God was wanting Hattie's story of hope to be able to be shared with somebody today. Lisa had no idea about any of this, but God did. The 18 days we spent in China were such a gift to us, and I thought I'd share a few pe- photos with you. We were able to leave Five and seven-year-old at home with capable grandparents, and Kevin and I were able to go to China, and spend some time. This is one of my very favorite photos, because it was in the that moment that we we got Hattie placed in our arms for the first time, and I just love that she's just looking up at her dad like who who are you? And <laughs> just with such wonder. And um, this is from her province when she where she was born. And this is just another one throughout our time there. We got to visit her. She was very chatty, who she had earned the nickname Chatty Hattie. And um, she was very friendly. And like a lot of the other kids seemed to have, because um, there were uh, seven families that of us that traveled together that got eight children. And so they're all around the same age. And Hattie, she just showed her personality from that moment that we received her and has not stopped sharing it with us since. And then this is our very first picture as a family of five when we got back to the airport in Indianapolis. Um, my very favorite photo from our time over there is this one here. Um, this is in um, her her hometown, and um, we were um, walking around, seeing different places. We got to go to her orphanage and visit that, and just there were some we were thankful for all the caregivers that she had in her life um, she was really fortunate to be in a really caring environment um, with some people who loved children um, and so we were really glad <laughs> glad to get this this cute little picture of her um, and glad to have that time that special time there with with those who cared for her so much i mean but even able to stay facebook friends with um, a caregiver who was there from Australia and um, one from Florida who actually lived in China and working at her orphanage at the time and knew Hattie's story well, and so I still, they still love seeing pictures of her grow up. I often tell Hattie when I'm tucking her in at night that getting to be her and her brother's mom is the best job ever. She is one of the most resilient people I've ever met. you know her, you know not much really phases her. She is confident in who she is, and she's not afraid to just, she doesn't care if she doesn't blend in with the rest of the crowd. Um, I love all these things about her, and she teaches me so much every day. She's very proud of who she is. I loved even just, um, not last, a couple weeks ago, I was able to go into her class at school, and we shared about Chinese New Year, and she was just so proud to be able to stand up and share about um, her culture and about who she is, her birth culture and who she is. Every time I think about the circumstances that led us to being matched together and what a miracle that was, I have a renewed hope for our, her future, for those who hope in him will gain new strength. We have seen countless touches of hope um, since arriving home 10 years ago. Touches that help show that God has and will continue to show up in Hattie's life and use her past, present, and future in remarkable ways. One of those most favorite touches for me, it revolves around this touch I'm going to explain to you here. Needless to say, China is a large country, and there are hundreds of orphanages throughout the nation. And they send kids to numerous countries around the world, not just the United States, but all over the world. And so imagine our surprise when we learned that there was not one, but two other little girls from her very same orphanage in this tiny little orphanage in the middle of China that live here in central Indiana. Of all the places in the world that God could have put these girls, He placed them in a proximity to one another where they can grow up knowing each other and having a connection that very few others can understand. I often tear up when I think about how remarkable it is. And I once again recognize God's kindness. Hattie into having these connections. Never in a million years could I have ever anticipated this future of goodness and beauty, or hope as it's defined, when we started along this journey. God continues to show me that he always has had Hattie in his hand, and I can continue to trust him even when I'm unsure of the future. My hope for you today is that you can be encouraged to continue to hold on to hope in God, even when it's probably easier just to give up. In our quick-fix world, building a hope that endures is necessary but not easy to be in our walk with, with Christ. As we come alongside people who need touches of hope in their lives, May we be able to point to times in our own lives when we've held on to hope when it didn't make sense. And we had to draw on this, a renewed strength that came from God when we were exhausted and weary. We, as the people of God, have such a great opportunity to be dealers of hope. And I pray that you can see that in your own story, that you have something valuable to share. I challenge you, as we continue over the next several weeks, to hear other stories of hope, not to compare your story to others. Don't minimize what God has done and is doing in you, but rather see it as a beautiful range of experiences and opportunities that we have been given as the body of Christ to be able to reach such a vast variety of people so that they can have a renewed hope and have a new, renewed strength that can only come from him. Would you please pray with me? God, we thank you so much for bringing us together, and we thank you for your unchanging, unwavering, untiring character that we can always put our hope in. God, we thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we ask that if we are feeling Um, that we might be in a place of hopelessness, that we are able to have renewed hope in you, a durable hope in you, and that, that we will be able to feel your strength as we carry on. In Jesus' name, amen. So I pray that you will go forth in your blessing and be one who finds new strength in him. Thank you.